to a, another episode of Jeff's The Movie Review Show with me, Jeff. And we are back here with episode 340 on Friday, March the 19th, 2021 at 10.01 and 39 seconds in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's a Friday, folks. T-G-I-F to ya. And I am broadcasting from the friendly confines of my home office recording studio here in Parts Unknown, South Jersey. How you doing? The skies are blue today. It's a bit chilly. I think we're still we're hovering around uh, high 30s. It's going to hit 40s today, I think. But we got a plenty of blue blue sky. That that nice spring blue sky is in the air. Spring has sprung at least up in the heavens. And uh, we got a lot of sunshine today as well. And that's that's a nice change of pace. And I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you and yours are staying safe out there in this crazy world. We call planet Earth for, you know, I think uh, we got about three, maybe two or three more years left. All right. Anyway, and, uh, this is a good, this is a three pack. Speaking of three years, uh, I got my coffee. I got my hot coffee. I got a hot cup of Joe. I got a, my orange juice here. Mostly it's a, it's a 70, 30 water to OJ mix. It's actually a mango flavored uh, OJ simply brand. Curious. And I don't know why you would be, but uh, here's the caveat of today's episode. So I have a th- I wanted to do five movie reviews today. I want to bang them out. Uh, I haven't written any of these yet, uh, so I, I mean I am behind the eight ball. As noted on the last episode or two, I uh, the the Nicholas Cage and David Cronenberg reviews are a little bit different that I've been doing lately. They they're more they, they take a lot more of my time. So I haven't uh, and I've had other stuff going on in my life that I've had to deal with. I've been a little behind doing this project, uh, but I'm trying to get back into today. Here's the caveat. There are people outside literally on my lawn. They're, they're mere feet from me, and they're about to start sawing up a tree. They're tree people from the tree company. Now, my wife instructed them to not bother me <laughs> so I can do nonsense like this inside the house. Uh, this microphone that I'm using is pretty good in terms of, uh, of noise reduction uh, but it might get loud, and I'm going to plow through it regardless, I, th- I think, unless it's just too annoying for on my end, uh, which we'll see. And I might have to, so this might be a choppy episode, but aren't they all and in some way? The reason, uh, so just to preface this one, there's three films here, and there's kind of a Venn diagram, uh, a neat Venn diagram with kind of natural segues to talk about all three of them. So I wanted to do them all as a as a rare kind of three three movie or three in this case a, a a movie and I guess in two docu series although they're all really of the same it's just length they're just really in terms of total length uh so uh the first will be a movie I think it was like an 85 90 minute movie and the second will be a three episode uh n- the newest thing uh those are both on all three of these things are on Netflix right now so uh, if that's that's another kind of uh, reason to lump them together. I think you'll see the natural Venn diagram when we get going. Uh, but let's just get right into it, shall we? Here is the first film, the docu- a documentary film, Made You Look, colon, a true story about fake art. An $80 million scandal has the art world up in arms tonight. A series of fakes that sold for tens of millions of dollars. The gallery involved in the sale of over 30 fakes. It takes more than a really talented con man to pull off a forgery of this magnitude. 
Anne Friedman was the director of Nodler Gallery. She had such a prominent reputation. Nodler is one of the oldest art galleries in the country. Glafira Rosales brought approximately a dozen different works to Nodler Gallery. She comes in off the street with supposed masterpieces in the trunk of her car. Motherwell. Jackson Pollock. Rothkast. All of them from this same mysterious wealthy collector, Mr. X, who was from the Philippines. This collector was a Swiss collector. He didn't want his name to be disclosed. Uh, oh, yes, it had changed from the Philippines to Switzerland. You couldn't make this stuff up. It was incredible. An absolutely bizarre story for any dealer to accept. It's a business. These works went into the greatest museums in the world. But there was a point where questions were coming up. The analysts found that a yellow paint used in the Pollock hadn't been available until 1970. Jackson Pollock died in a car crash in 1956. Either the paintings are all real or they're all fake. We all know how that story turned out. The paintings looked really, really good. They fooled a lot of people. The real is on the right, it's not easy. The one on the right is real. What surprised you about this case? Um, it surprised me that the paintings were being made in Queens by a math professor. These fakes were painted by an unknown Chinese artist in the garage of his home. I mean, it was just shocking. Rosales' boyfriend, Juan Carlos Bergantinos, worked with the painter to create the forgeries. He ran away, you know, left her holding the bag, and he took almost all the money. Who else should be in jail for this? Joseque. No. Oh. Okay, he doesn't like that question. We're talking here about $80.7 million worth of fake paintings. I was fooled. I believe the paintings were absolutely real. She knew exactly what she was doing. I didn't know that this would drastically affect these people's lives. Who was involved? What's the whole story? How could you devise such a scheme? All right, so made you look uh, this is a 2020 film. I guess it got to Netflix in February, uh, but it re was released on, in the uh, the lost year uh, somewhere on the documentary festival circus. I assume Cir circuit circus circus. Cir it's all a circus, isn't this great? Isn't this experiment we call life a circus anyway? Oh boy. Um, this one was pretty. This one was a. You know, I feel like this this movie. And, and you you probably gleaned a lot of what I you know that trailer kind of gave too much of it away in a, in a sense because uh, there's a little mystery here uh, about how how the how the the fraud went down basically it's a, it's the biggest art fraud uh, scandal in the history of um, the world I think it was a 60 80 million dollars whatever it said in there uh, and it's an interesting story. There's, it's really about I think where you, um, where you land on on this on the art world and art in general. And I, for one, found myself rooting for the uh, the guy, the Ch the Chinese man who in Queens who made the made the works and then he kind of escaped to China and they they haven't been able to extradite him back to the United States because all the other parties at some level you know you feel bad I think for some of the some of the, the middlemen uh, who who were arrested uh, and, and then some of these other people who worked at the gallery who apparently were not in on it. And that's sort of the, the gist of the documentary uh, where, where they kind of try and create the drama in, in so much as did this one art dealer know about it? How could she not know about it? How could they not have done a more conclusive 
study on the provenance of this art uh, and, and, and the discovery of, of the lineage of this art. Uh, but just from from a standpoint of being able to trick people, and it did trick people. I mean, it tricked the like Mark Rothko tricked his son. He thought it was a he saw the painting. He's like, wow, this is really one of my dad's best works. I'm so glad they discovered this. And all, but the, the worst part, the worst people in this, by by far, uh, are the billionaires or yeah, billionaires who sued the gallery after they found out that this was basically a whole fraud and they had multiple pieces by this fake artist and you know they they didn't care about the art they care about their investment so so it's the idea of investment versus the art and the, and the, the impetus to making art versus the impetus to making money are these two kind of it's this weird world where that that you get the art world and the art world you know for that reason it's kind of sucks and there's really no you know other way to look at it it's just it's bad those two things can't ever merge in a sense that, you know, there, there has to be some value, but the, the level that these guys operate on, there is no value. It might as well just be a, a fucking car or a piece of property at that point. And uh, a piece of property or a car can be beautiful. I'm not in. So, so there's, there's that, there's that question as well. And it's not, a, it's not a, it's a question where I've come up with an answer to it for myself a long time ago, but I can see it being one that isn't so easy to answer necessarily, uh, but for me, it's simple. These these guys fucking suck. Um, they they don't care about art. They're 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 dumb smart people uh, who 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 dress up very nice and um, they kind of ruining they're kind of ruining the world. So to me, this movie, which is in a sense is a, is, a, is better for it as a just a straight done the the classic documentary style rules uh, of, of being fair and balanced. And I think they do take a pretty uh, even keeled side, uh, uh, even keeled approach in terms of t- uh, showing you both, both sides of the story. Um, I would have, I would have preferred they just painted the other, the, uh, the, the old geriatric couple who look, look like just, they've crawled up out of some kind of devil ca- cavern. There's the saw. You hear the chainsaw up in the trees above me. I kind of want to watch this them cut down the tree branches, but I don't really care. I'm not, you know, I'm not a little boy. I'm a man. I'm forty. I'm, I'm soon. I'm, I'm will be forty, and I can say I'm forty. I'm a man. Um. So yeah, it's. I'll give it a seven because I. It kept me. It kept me engrossed. Uh. For the most part, I was pretty into it. Uh. I just, it, it left me wanting a little more. It almost seems like, you know, because I've been watching a lot of these docs. So that, there's a, there's another question I wanted to kind of broach here. Uh, in, what was that? Was that? Did you hear that? Bang? Oh, like that. Somebody hit the house. Hold on one second. Hold on. I'm stopping the recording. Hold on. Anyway, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm back. Uh, I just hit pause for a second. I, um, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. I don't care. It's like there's like nine guys outside too. Talk about uh, you know all these these uh, these these guys working these tough jobs. A lot of them just hanging around outside in in overalls, milling about. <laughs> this this took a turn. Speaking of uh, me now me showing my uh, my ass. Uh, what was I saying? So the documentary versus the docu series. 
Jesus, that is loud. That's banging the whole house. So I thought this would be loud, and it's it is loud. I was right. Uh, so we're gonna plow through it though. I don't think it's that bad on the recording. Uh, it's, it's funny though. It's funny that this the one time I had to do this is when these fucking tree people came this week. Um. Okay, this is hard to con. I'm gonna just do it though, because this is. I got my coffee. I'm just gonna suck down some coffee and go. Oh wow, that's the that's the branch grinder. That is. Hold on a second. Hold one more. One more hold. All right, I'm I'm back again. The issue is, I just tried to listen back to the recording, but it's so loud. Even with my headphones on, I can't get a good feel for how loud how loud this is on the on the recording because I can't hear. Oh, we fucking gotta be kidding me. Fuck me. Uh, the docu series allows you to expand on uh, on uh, things. Obviously, you can expand upon uh, um, this topic <laughs> that you're that you're that you're doing. Um, oh yeah, there was a, you know there's a guy named Armand Hammer. This is gonna I'm gonna sound like an idiot now. So I thought there's a brand, Arm and Hammer, Arm and Hammer, right? Arm and Hammer is a brand. Is that related to this? But there's a guy named Armin, Armand Hammer, and I think they're completely unrelated. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Oh no. Okay, yeah. It's often claimed that the original, the originated with the tycoon Armand Hammer. Uh, however, the Arm and Hammer brand was in 31 years before Hammer was born. So Arm and Hammer, and there's a guy named Arm and Hammer. Ar- this guy Arm and Hammer is actually the the uh, the great. He's the great grandfather of Army Hammer, who's now in a lot of hot water. The actor. That's truly neither here nor there. Anyway, Army Arm and Hammer, the old uh, whatever whatever. He's like a ga- oil mogul freak, this billionaire freaks. Um, uh, he's in. He's in this. He's involved with this in some way. I, I fucking. I don't know. I watched this a week and a half ago. I don't really remember. It's fine. I give it a seven. Uh, not not essential viewing unless you have a interest in the topic. That's really my take on it. Uh, it doesn't. It's not that. It's not that fascinating. It's not that well done. Uh, which is you know. I th- I think it it could have been. You could have flushed it out more. I think you could have flushed it out more, and you could have. Uh, set up some of these other people to be a villain, but then you don't, then they don't talk to you. So that's sort of, it's a tricky, I know it's a tricky slope, uh, slippery slope. It's a slippery, tricky slope. Anyway, we're going to approach now the Venn diagram portion of the, the, uh, of the show as, uh, there's literally branches falling on my window of my office right now. Um, so this, this is be a notable episode in the history of the show. It's the only one where I was, uh, literally under the, the cover of a falling tree, uh, which is cool. I'm going to play the trailer for the next thing. Here it is. The only way to keep a secret between two people is to kill one of them. It's kind of true. The state of Utah has long been the home of the Mormons. I love the gospel with all my heart. They are driven by history, and they want to preserve documents. Mark Hoffman found document after document. First editions, history, Americana, worth $1.5 million. He was a rock star. (laughs) 
religion sometimes breeds amongst people some extremes. The first explosion ripped through a downtown office building, killing one man. The second explosion outside of a holiday home claimed another life. Panic began to ensue because two bombs suggest a serial killer. Then the shock came. There are very expensive documents in the automobile. This is an original? Yes, this is an original copy. The Salamander letter gave a far different story of the church's roots. Instead of God and angels, now it's salamanders and magic. This material was potentially devastating. People who wanted to protect the church didn't want this document to come to light. Speculation. The church was trying to acquire it in order to suppress it. Everyone's a suspect. What do you think about lying for the Lord? It just started snowballing. Machine guns, bombs. We all should have suspected. Secrets just can't be kept. All right, that's murder among the Mormons. And like I said, I've been into these documentaries lately. I've been into the docu-series lately. I've found it, for whatever reason, it's been something I've been into. Uh, I'm just in a phase of my life, I guess you, should, you could say. And the, the Venn diagram here, we're in the middle circle. This is, where, this is how Venn diagrams work. Uh, and the Venn diagram here will be uh, is frauds, is um, uh, forgeries. Uh, and uh, Mark Hoffman is is uh, one of the most accomplished forgers in history. Now I'm kind of not sure how I want to go about talking about this because this just came out. This is March second. This uh, was released on Netflix, and this was a this was a Netflix production from the get go. Uh, and it's the reason I it came on my radar among the sea of just endless content on all of these streaming services is that it was directed by or co directed by Jared Hess who. That's right. You know, he's one of the uh, writer-directors of some of the greatest films ever made. Napoleon Dynamite, Nacho Libre, Gentleman, and the vastly underrated Gentleman Broncos. We won't, we won't talk about Don Verdine uh, right now or some of the other ones here. But uh, uh, <laughs> those three films are gr- all great to me and uh, underrated at this point. Especially Nacho Libre and Gentleman Broncos. I think Napoleon Dynamite has its place and obviously gets a lot of love. But those other two, if you haven't seen them and you and you you enjoy Napoleon Dynamite, they're they're different than Napoleon Dynamite, you know, and they have the same kind of kind of quirkiness. But uh, they're they're different and they're they're really great. They're really great, especially Gentleman Broncos. Super weird film. I, I loved. I liked it a lot. Anyway, he he. He was born, I guess, in Utah or Nebraska, and um, it went to high school. Okay, he went to, went to school in, in Utah, and uh, I guess he was a Mormon, <clears throat> and um, hence his interest in this story, or kind of, I, this was totally off my radar, or another early 80s story. It's fascinating. Uh, what else did, did I review? Early? Oh, oh, the, um, so I've, yeah, I've, I've been doing a lot of these, uh, documentary reviews recently and some of them are from a point in my life when either it was i was too young i was way too young to understand or or even know about the story 
or I was at an age where I didn't quite care. And some of these are the Heaven's Gate documentary I reviewed. I thought there was one more. Um, Recorder was another documentary I reviewed recently, uh, which was sort of in that same vein in terms of a lot of that stuff was happening when I was too young to get it. So I've been fascinated with this kind of stuff that happened on the on, on, on in America or on planet Earth in the 80s and 90s. Uh, the Unabomber, which is... Uh, spoiler that's the third thing we're going to talk about uh that that is uh another one that i you know that took place all throughout the 80s and then into the 90s with his capturing uh that i i was too young to give a shit about or kind of know the story of so i find this stuff fascinating heaven's gate for sure is right in that same alley and that, that was that's the best of the bunch uh if you're if you're looking for one thing to watch uh go check out episode um 337 of this here movie review show when i reviewed heaven's gate the cult of cults that's that's better than all three of these films um but this film was really uh solid uh is you know it, it was about i went in with some pieces i knew it had a decent budget uh and i knew it had a guy behind it who i who i um appreciate and enjoy his work uh this is a totally obviously a different world to be to go from uh napoleon dynamite and and those films to then a very serious documentary about you know about bombings and about people who died. Um. So it's 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 not you're not going to get any quirkiness here. There's really not any quirkiness necessarily. There are there are some choices I guess I'll say in the in the filming of this and in the production of this that I was a little bit like unsure if it worked. They use a lot of not. It kind of ramps it up towards the end of the of the third or in the third episode of these three episodes, and they're all about forty five minutes to fifty minutes long. They use a lot of Errol Morris style uh, recreation uh, of uh, film work, just actually you know actors recreating the shots. Um, Errol Morris, if you're not familiar, that's sort of his. One of his trademarks is he's is he's done. He did Wormwood recently, which actually had some notable actors portraying almost in a biopic style mixed into the actual documentary. So it's kind of a merging of of a of a dramatic kind of a biopic storytelling with 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 your classic talking head interview style documentary filmmaking. So he he does a little bit of that. Uh, I don't know if he got the mix quite right on that because, like I said, it, it's not used. Uh, throughout the three episodes consistently. I don't know if I want to get into this story because it's, it is so new and, and, there, and there is an arc to the story and one that I, I think is a real surprise that I, I did not see coming. There's a twist to this story and if it's, an, if it's not a story that you know about, this is so loud, the tree thing is so loud. I don't think it's that bad on the recording. So I have to, it's just loud for my head right now in, in the room. All right, but uh, I'm back. Okay. Um, what was I saying? God, this is distracting. It's fucking distracting. How you guys? How are you guys? Brackets looking for March Madness? Pretty good. March Madness starts today. Go Rutgers. We're talking about. Let's reset. We're talking about murder. Murder among the Mormons. Brand new to Netflix. Three episodes long. You can bang it out in a night if you're free or a day or two. 
Um, 90% on the old rotten tea. I feel like all of these documentary style shit. I mean, what, what, what how do you review this? Cause they're, they're not like, they're certainly not like bad. Like, you know, none of them are ever like, I'm never watching them being like, I can't watch this. It's boring or it sucks. If it's a topic that you, you, you seem like you might be interested in, if you're interested in uh, the forgery of Mormon documents, that leads to a conspiracy where there's some uh, some light domestic terrorist bombings uh, out of it that come out of it. Uh, then this one's for you because that's exactly what this is, uh, and it it does does do a really really nice job, uh, kind of sheltering you from the ultimate truth and creating a mystery vibe. A little slow getting into it. I have to say the first episode little little boring at times. I was a little I was a little worried about like do they even have a story here? Is this just you know what what is what's what's the twist here? And there is a twist. So there's that to let you in on it. Uh, I was I was if there wasn't the twist that, that we get, I don't know if this is even worth making a film about to really honestly. Uh, but but there you have it. So I'll give this one an 8. Uh, I think the last one we're about to review was probably my favorite, and that sh- that surprised me uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, but here's our Venn diagram. We're in the middle circle. And the other thing that's connecting on the other side, forgery. Of course, the first film was all about forgery and fraud. So that's that connecting circle. And then this one is about forgery and bombs and bomb making and what... What what who who's who's a more famous bomb guy than the than the freaking Unabomber? He's like the number one. If you're gonna rank, if you're gonna rank, if you're gonna rank the bomb guy, bombers, you is you is there you, is there even a question? All right, so you're rank, you're doing a top ten ranking of best bombers ever. You're telling me Ted Kaczynski's not number one every single time. I can't even think of a number two to be. Honest. I guess you go Timothy McVeigh. That's pretty good. He did take out a lot of people. Uh, wouldn't would you count? 9/11, not really a bombing. You could definitely put the the first uh, World Trade Center hit in there. I don't know those guys' names. Uh, you know, they took out. Was, didn't they kill a few people on that first when they it was 1994 or whatever? They tried to bomb the uh, World Trade Center. They were so hell bent on bombing the World Trade Center, and then they were like, "Let's just fly some planes into it," and then they just rebuilt. A bill, they well they you know what if their net if they there was kind of a net success for the bombers and and because they they had the two buildings the twin towers and they only rebuilt one so they did still that if you want to talk about just math in terms of this keeping score they, they they kind of they did they won they took they took out we only have the one building we used to have the two so that's that i guess that's the top three bombers uh let's anyway, let's listen to this trailer I remember the guards brought Kaczynski in and he was in shackles and he was wearing a white jumpsuit. And he looked very small and I was I was nervous. Okay, so, all right, I guess I should say something like, this is the interview with Dr. Theodore Kaczynski and we're going to begin the interview now.
Well, here's, here's exactly what happened. The killer called the Unabomber has terrorized this country for nearly 18 years now. In addition to killing three people, his attacks have wounded 23 others, some seriously. Ted Kaczynski is known as the Unabomber. Those kind of guys are rare, and they're terrible. And Ted was terrible. This guy was a pop culture icon. I mean, people wanted him to run for president. I love this one. This is one of my favorites. The Unabomber to a lot of kids was an inspiration. He's inspired Hollywood movies. And the blood will be on your hands. Why would somebody try to kill you? Why would they do that to you? I was shocked by the three years at Harvard University in an experiment. It's perverse. It's sick. It doesn't work. But that's what Kaczynski was subjected to. I think it, it takes a whole perfect storm to create someone as violent as my brother. He was a good friend. Yeah, it was as if he was in pain, but I couldn't say why. I never would have thought that my neighbor was sitting in that little cabin, creating bombs and killing people. It was the most expensive investigation in the history of the FBI. It was Linda who cracked the Unabomber case. For me, it was easy. We had to do something. Every journalist in the United States and in the world would love to get the first interview with Ted Kaczynski. By his invitation, he approached me. My writing and his writing were very similar. That was practically alone in the world. He's just that was man. He comes right out and says it. I was going to work at getting back the system. Revenge. <laughs> going to strike back. Try not to get blown up. <laughs> okay. Oh, Ted giggling there is creepy. Uh, try not to get blown up. Ted, it's too soon. You can't, I guess, I guess if you did the bombing, you can make the jokes about the bombing. You're kind of exempt. All righty. Uh, where do I want to enter this from? What angle do I want to take here? Uh, I was shocked how much I enjoyed this. I really was. And actually, I just, uh, when I was doing some searching for the trailer, uh, all four episodes of this are on YouTube. So if you're a listener and you're not a Netflix subscriber, then you can just go to YouTube and watch them for free. They're all just laying about on YouTube. This wasn't, this was not an original YouTube, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Netflix production. It's been so loud, so fucking loud. They're using the saw, th the saw thing now. This was not an original YouTube, uh, Netflix thing. Uh, Netflix picked it up and dumped it on Netflix from whatever production company put this out in 2018, I believe. Uh, okay, when did, when did this come out? 20, wait, 2020. This was not 20, 2020. Could have swore this said 2018 on Netflix, but on IMDb it says 2020. Uh, I guess it came to Netflix in 2020. I got to do some more research on the year this thing came out. That's on me. Uh, maybe it did get shelled. Maybe no. I don't know. I, who fucking cares about the... I, I'm, I'm so obsessed with the years things come out sometimes. It's like it drives me nuts to try to find the correct release date uh, for the website. And the website is, I should mention, is themoviereviewshow.blogspot.com. The 
So one night I was sitting around as I want to do, and I'm like, I, what the fuck do I can't. Uh, well, I can't get to work. I can't get to work on any one of my many many projects because I'm exhausted and it's I don't feel tired enough to go to bed necessarily. But what do I do? What do I do? I says. So I say I'm gonna put on Netflix and uh, the algorithm knows me. It knows me so well. I love you, algorithm. And it came up with this uh, this one, the Unabomber in his own words. I was like, yeah, I'll fucking turn this on. I might never watch more than the first twenty minutes of episode one. But I kind of got it sunk its talons in me, and it's not as it's not as polished looking as either of the the first two things we've on this uh, this three pack special episode, three hundred and forty uh, of uh, the movie Risha. But it, it it's it's topic, and and the man himself uh, is fascinating, is a singular singular pres- And I'm not I don't mean to. You have to understand. I'm going to say some things now. It's a bit jokey, uh, you know. I I don't mean to glorify anything. He killed people. It's horrible. Uh, do I agree with everything he's ever written? Yes, I do. I think he, is he. Do I think he's a genius? Yeah, I think I kind of do think he's a genius. Uh, he's a genius for for dumb, a dumb smart guys like me. So we talked about uh, wait no we talked about d- smart dumb smart people, and then I'm I talked about smart. He's a genius for smart dumb guys like me. So the difference between smart dumb versus Dumb smart is um, very. Uh, it's a it's a simple difference, but it's a very important one. And uh, I'm kidding for you. Know, but you know, some of the stuff he's he's predicted about I, the the technolo- technological systems isolating us, and the way he was writing that bef- way before the invention of the smartphone is almost chilling in a sense. Of how right he was about that. There's, there's just to me, there's just no question. I mean, you don't. I don't think you go about it by sending mail bombs to people. I'm not. That's, but of course, that's not what I'm saying. But you can't, you can't throw it everything out. I don't think either. It's um, just something to take with a grain of salt. Uh, he has this manifesto, which I have not read other than blurbs here and there. I've not sat down and read the whole thing. I'm not trying to glorify uh, him as this kind of what you know uh, figure, almost almost in a, in a martyr sense for for a cause for for this for this eco uh, eco. You know, a lot of eco terrorists uh, looked at him as kind of like the man. Uh, but but he he did have he did have some things that I believe in and like like they're just like some you know in a way they are vague they're kind of like vague standards to to try and live by and I don't do very I mean I have I don't do a good job trying to live by them but but I nonetheless can uh, can see the, their merits and I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong to point out that um, especially now in this weird time we're living in with if you have kids and the kids are not. In school, and they're young kids, young kids, I'm saying K through five-ish age kids, uh, learning on the computers on this, on the Zoom is, uh, is a disaster, is, 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 such a, is such a dystopian nightmare to me of these children uh, connecting in, a, in an online way in such a fashion that I, it's, it makes me sick. It makes me literally sick to my stomach uh, that's gone on for so long and, and that so many people can't, can't see the, the, the the absolute horrors that th- that this world we've, we're creating and have created already, um, 
I am kind of going off on a tangent here. <laughs> I should talk a, bit, a little bit more about the show. Let me just stop myself before I get into too much of hot water. Uh, the show itself, it is, if you listen to that uh, trailer that I played, it is predicated on these taped interviews. And I, I guess they are the only, they're not the, I don't think they're the only recordings they have of Ted Kaczynski, but they're one of a very few. And they're probably the most in depth. But I'll say this the movie is not just that. Uh, they have a lot more, there's a lot more meat on the bone. They have a lot of interviews with some key people, including extensive interviews with the Unabomber's brother, who was the man responsible. The, uh, the, his brother and sister-in-law are the, are the two that basically put put this whole thing together in motion and and got the FBI on his on the to to, to go and find him in in, out in Montana. And uh, so there's extensive inter- interviews with both of them. They are sympathetic to the Unabomber. So if you're if you're one of the people who are think that he's a complete insane person, disagree with everything he has to say or has said. This is not this. I don't think it's this is the for you. They 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 definitely try and hedge that that bet at the end of it. I, I noticed that they talked to a lot of the victims and they want to make clear that like, hey, we're not trying to um, prop this guy up. Uh, but they do spend a lot of time propping him up be, before they they then say don't prop him up. Which I, in a weird way, I felt was refreshing because. Like I said, I, I I disagree with the the tactics, but I yeah I, I agree with a lot of what the the words are behind it. It's a weird kind of fine place to find yourself in. Um, but I'm saying th- th- those recordings, which are not the highest quality audio, uh, are are used throughout all four of the four of these episodes. But they're not the primary source. The directors here, who I don't know anything about these guys. Um, Let me just see if I can find this. Who, who directed this? Uh, Mick Mick Grogan. If I even see any other cre- credits uh, for him. Um, all right, he's got a TV movie documentary called "Building Star Trek," which is a documentary that, about the props and the other items from the original Star Trek series. So, okay, all right. Uh, Mummies Alive, 2015. Was two episodes of a TV series documentary called about mummies, Dino Hunt Canada, Perfect Storms, disasters that change the world, Explosion eighteen twelve. That's the one it says he's most known for, which is a documentary feature, our Canadian film. It's six, 59 minutes long. And on April twenty seventh, eighteen thirteen, American forces defeated the British at York which is present-day Toronto, and captured the capital of Upper Canada, but not before suffering their own losses. History Television's Explosion 1812 looks at the Battle of York and unearths new evidence around this lesser-known event from the War of 1812. So that's where this guy's coming from. Just some for your standard docu-fare. But this one's really good. This uh, this Unabomber, uh, in his own words, Unabomber colon in his own words, I don't know of any other documentaries on the Unabomber. I'm sure there are uh, countless, countless other other documentaries. There, there's probably a dozen of them, TV TV documentaries and so forth, um, and and uh, probably some uh, you know uh, dramatic interpretations of them as well. Tell, yeah, there's been some. 
television films, 1996, Unabomber, The True Story. There was a play. There was Manhunt, colon, Unabomber, which is a television series, dramatic, dramatic television series, anthology, uh, doing a fictionalized account of, of his story. So, I mean, there's so much stuff. I mean, you could probably go on and on. Um, wow. The, Nor- the shooter of that, that crazy 2011 Norway attacks, um, which he, his manifesto just copied. Large, he just plagiarized large parts of the, the uh, um, Kaczynski document. That's not cool, man. You're gonna write a, if you're gonna write a crazy crazy person manifesto, make it your own. That's what I say. That's what I, that's that's my words to live by. If you're gonna make your own manifesto, make it your own. All right, folks. Mad mad mad, uh, mad Marchness. What March Madness? I almost said Mad Marchness. That's where I'm at. I'm at the Mad Marchness uh, uh, phase of of my life, and. Uh, I'm I'm uh, sundowning at the very young age of 39. Sad, sick and sad in equal parts, and uh, that's the story of my life. Probably. <laughs> All right. Um, also, gotta just say this: the the idea of making a bomb in a, in a box, which is both of these last two movies had these guys. Well, I think the first, the second movie thing had uh, just the guy just make kind of crude crude uh, kind of pipe bombs. The Unabomber's bombs were much more uh, savvy. Uh, I don't know anything about bombs or science or making anything that I can't fix a freaking, I can barely change a light bulb around here, but, uh, I am fascinated by people who can make things from, from like scratch or parts. And I always, I'm I, we, one thing in my life, not making bombs. I'm just saying, looking at the, the bombs was neat. I'm saying making anything like, like figuring, knowing how little things like that come together and work is fascinating to me. And, um, yeah, something that if uh, there's there's certain things in life like I don't care I, I I never care to learn about cars or how cars work. There's no interest in that. Getting under the or like get under a hood and like uh yeah your carburetor's got a junk junk like I could not give a shit less about that. It doesn't interest me at all. I never but I I would be interested in, in like how trinkets come apart and like how like a toy works and things like that. Um so. Take that for what it's worth. I don't know. I'm rambling now. I'm just rambling. It's probably the best parts of the show, but what can you say? Uh, that's the end of this episode. It was a long one, 43 minutes almost. And uh, I will do say that. The, that With that, the show is over. Go in peace. And uh, to give you a little taste of what's coming right around the corner, uh, we have another documentary and uh, another movie in both released in the 1950s. That's right. We're going back in time. Got to go back in time. See ya.